Okay. Who is the only person you will pick up the phone for? You know you are a call screener. Uh, 651-641-1071. We won't screen your call. We'll answer it on the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley, trainer's off. He'll be back tomorrow. Holly Roberts and I are hanging out with you. Good day. Holly, why are we asking people who they'll answer the phone for? Because we now know the two people. That Queen Elizabeth will pick up the phone for. Oh, I don't even have her number, so obviously it's not me, unfortunately. No. But she would. <laughs> oh, you think? No. Okay, <laughs> thank you. So this is coming from some podcast, and, uh, you know, they're talking about the royals, so they're dishing about the royal gossip. There's a bunch of royal gossip that's happening. I'm only concerned about this. Yeah. Because... According to the Royally podcast, the queen is two people she speaks to the most on her phones. She also has a mobile phone, which, according to these people, is a Samsung. So the queen is an Android lady. Oh, interesting. You know, you can judge her accordingly. But she's packed with anti-hacker encryption. So MI6, so nobody can hack her phone. After talking about that, but said that the two people that she talks to on the phone are her daughter, Princess Anne. Hmm. And her racing manager, John Warren. Okay, that's hilarious. So the queen's only going to talk to you if it's her daughter or the pony manager. You know, why am I surprised that she doesn't answer the phone for her favorite, Prince Andrew? Like, that surprises me. But cool. I know, right? Talk to the pony man and your daughter. Yeah, talk to the guy. Well, you know, Colleen, if you had watched The Crown. I, I'm gonna, I'll get around to it. Even though it is a fictional interpretation of the life of Queen Elizabeth, uh-huh. one of the things you learn about her is her true passion is her horses yeah. and his wildlife. And I basically get it. all this royal stuff that she has to do is kind of like, well, crap. Yeah, you know, I gotta serve God and country because I was put in this position. But, but I, I really want to hang the with races. the horses. So that got me thinking. As a person who doesn't like to talk on the phone, yeah, I like to text. Yep. I like to read. Yep. I like to do other things. I'm very out of practice. I'm not going to answer my phone if unless it's like basically a handful of people. Right. My parents. Uh-huh. B. Arthur. Yeah. If she calls, I'm like, oh. I don't even answer her calls. <laughs> she can leave a message. I'll talk to her later when <laughs> I'm ready. I'll answer her phone. <laughs> but that's like it. My parents and my boss. Yeah, Outside I get it. that, I'm like. Leave a voicemail, and I'm not even going to listen to the voicemail. I'm going to read the text interpretation (laughs) of the voicemail. And also, then you have to sort of like figure out what they actually said in the voicemail because sometimes it's not, it's just, it's an activity. It's it's open to interpretation. So, 651 641 1071. Let's go to Megan. We've got Megan on the line. Megan, we answered your call. Uh, Who is the only person you'll answer the phone for? Two. Um, one is my mother because she's of that age where if she's calling, something's wrong right. or somebody yeah. died. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty, pretty fair and square. And then my kids' school. Yes. they call, somebody got hurt or A hundred percent. Megan, thank you so much for your call. I will tell you, I will confess to this. That we, I have gotten calls from the school in the middle of the show and had to like wave at Holly and Bradley to like go out in the hallway and take it. Yeah, it's true. Here's the other thing, by the way, 651-641-1071. Who's the only person you pick up the phone for? This is not a slight against the schools. It's probably partially our fault, but like you don't always need to call the mom first. Oh, hello. (laughs) They always do. Ding, ding. It drives me bonkers. Ding, ding, ding. I'm like, did you, there's another number there for the other parent. Do you want to call that one? (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get me started. No, but most, mostly they figured it out now because I've 
talked to them. We've figured it out. But like, but if I do get a phone call from one of my children, which that never happens, so if they actually pick up the phone and call me, oh yeah, that would be like I gotta get this. I'll be really honest. If it's somebody who I know and they're calling me during the show. I will probably answer it because mm-hmm. people who know me know what I'm doing between noon and three. But outside of that, I can't really think of anybody like you'll leave a message or text me if it's super important. Isn't that terrible? No, it's, it's just true, way, though. But it's just the the way the world right. works at this point. Right. I love being able to screen calls. Oh, yes. Let's go to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, who's the one person you'll pick up the phone for? Well, it's my older brother. I mean, members of the family who have health issues, I mean, then I would pick up the call because it might be the last one. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But otherwise, I screen everybody. I don't care if you're the Pope or President of the United States. <laughs> I'm not message. answering. Yeah. Leave a message. If it's important, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for right. your call, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. You're like, hmm, I've got a call coming in that says from Vatican City. Right. Mm, that's going to be a scam. Right. They're going to ask about my auto warranty. I'll be honest, Thank though. You. Like, I, I am one of those. I'm a glutton for punishment. Sometimes I will answer the scam likely. Uh, phone calls just because I'm like, what is it today? Did I win a weekend at a resort at a Marriott resort? Yeah. Is my warranty up? Yeah. Um, does the, do, does the government need some sort of very essential information? Is there a warrant out for my arrest? Is yeah. my Norton, uh, McAfee, uh, antivirus, <laughs> antivirus saying, is that out of date? Like, I, sometimes I just want to know, what are you going to try to fish me with today? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of fishing going around. <laughs> and also, too, if we're just going to take a sidetrack, the email phishing right now. I don't know if oh, you've it's been ridiculous. paying attention to the inbox. Oh, I am the only surviving heir of a prince who died, and I am a trillionaire. Well, Barry, are you not? Yeah, last time I checked, I'm not. That's my favorite. I'm so sad that I got to go check my Gmail. But just a public, just a general public service, we're noticing, or at least I've been noticing, that there have been sophisticated phishing schemes that are getting through the filter over on my personal email account. So just like, just giving you a public, a general, if you didn't ask for something and you receive it, that is not a gift. (laughs) If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And even exactly. if it's something that you're already subscribed to or perhaps you have some kind of relationship with, it's a product that you uh, are currently using and in service of, if you didn't ask for something, you you didn't ask for right. it. So cross your T's and dot your lowercase J's. Thank you. I will get off my fishing soapbox Thank now. Thank you. Just noticed it's been a little chummy out there. It, a little chummy. Trust, yes, whether it's in your uh, email or by phone, because yeah. the scams are likely a lot more than they're not lately. Yeah, act like the queen. Yeah, you, you screen those calls. Green. You deserve it. You, you deserve it. You're kidding the horses. That's it. That's but all truly, you honestly, like, I, I there are... If I'm driving, I will not answer the phone. There are certain places where I just am like, this is sacred. I cannot answer the phone call. If it's important, this person will leave a message and I will get back to them when it's safe. But remember that just because you have a device that allows people to get a hold of you does not mean that they have the opera that they should be able to get a hold of you. It used to be when our phones were just at our home, we would go about our lives and not even realize that somebody was trying to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. 
All right, that was pretty. I'm just saying, like, own your own time. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, um, we're going to do a little relationship roundup. Uh, The Thanksgiving weekend was a big weekend for romance. We'll talk about that after this on My Talk 1071. Valentine's Day is old and busted. You know what's new and fresh? Thanksgiving. It's the new romantic holiday. Sorry. <laughs> no, no apologies for bringing the turkey. This is the Colleen and Bradley show. My talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley trainer will be back tomorrow. Holly Roberts and I are here with you. Hey, before I forget, I just want people to know we're taking the show on the road on Wednesday. We will be doing a Santa stop. Remember those? <laughs> we are going to be at hero home services in Bloomington. So uh, you can find out more at my talk. 1071.com and uh, we hope to see you while, while we're uh, out and about, while you're out and about, we'll be there doing this thing for three solid hours on Wednesday. Yeah. So that is, and then you can see the whole schedule also because everybody's going on the road. Uh, you can see the full schedule at mytalk1071.com now. Holly. Yes. Uh, we promised everybody we would bring you the romance of the Thanksgiving holiday. It was a big weekend for relationships. It sure was. So I just, you know, let's have a little celebrity relationship round. Let's do it. Hey, get along, little doggy. We, we got spurs that jingle, 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 and they're in the form of engagement rings. Ah. Lindsay Lohan got engaged over the weekend. Mazel to her. Congratulations. Yes. She's been in a low-key relationship since basically the pandemic. Okay, so, so like, what do we know about this dude? We know that his name is Bader Shamas. Okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. for me. But Bader uh, Shamas, he uh, was posing next to Lindsay Lohan. She's wearing an engagement ring. She shared the photograph and said, my love, my life, my family. They look happy. My future. Genuinely look happy. Yeah. You know, not saying that in any kind of like ironic way. It's just like it, it genuinely looks like these are two people that are enjoying each other's company and are deci- deciding to get married. So the last time we really heard about this guy, she had alluded to Lindsay Lohan yeah. had alluded to this relationship back in February of 2020 in the before times. And mm-hmm. uh, she had taken a bunch of photos at a music festival in Dubai and she mentioned a quote unquote right. boyfriend in the caption. You remember this now, right? So in this picture, Lindsay Lohan was posing with a bunch of people, including but not limited to her sister mm-hmm. and, a, and some musicians. And so uh, her sister actually, again, doing that kind of sideways social media thing. Lovely night with sister and my boyfriend Bader. Mm-hmm. Such a magical night. Mm-hmm. And then at the time, a rep for Lindsay Lohan was like, well, we're not confirming anything. We're not necessarily denying anything. But uh, this just kind of happened. Yeah. Right. Well, good for them. I mean, exciting for her. Um, she, We've been on a journey with Lindsay. Yeah. And Lindsay's been on a journey with us. Yeah. The only thing that we really know about him, and I love it because we really only know this through people.com because they creeped on his LinkedIn. Yeah. I would creep on his LinkedIn, but I don't have the LinkedIn where you can creep for free. Right. So you got to be careful with that. Otherwise, people know. People can see you creeping. Yeah. And that's uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like to. I don't creep. like that about LinkedIn. I just would like to go on record. Yeah. Side note that was the way that OKCupid was back in the day when I used it. You had oh. to pay a premium to creep. And that's the way that LinkedIn is, is too. It's like, yeah, you can use our service for free. But everyone's going to know you're a freak and that no. you're, a, you're a creeper. No thanks. So you got to pay us 
to creep for to, mm. to you know free to, free creep to undercover creep. Yeah, so people.com did the creep for us. Thank you. And this guy's just he's a banker. He works at Credit Suisse. Okay. He's an assistant vice president. So perhaps, you know, Lindsay Lohan just looking looking to settle down with a nice finance bro. I, somebody needs to help her along with that anyway. Right? Yeah. Like she needs somebody yeah. Keeping her money in order. Yeah. Any word from Dina Lohan? Have we seen her reaction yet? Uh, friend of the show, Dina Lohan. Yes, thank you. We've Hi, had her Dina. on twice. Thank yep. you. Uh, she said, my heart is full. Oh, that is kind of sweet. Yeah, that is. I really, I honestly do hope that this, I hope that they go forward with this marriage. Yes. It's hard to say that, right? Because you sound like a real jerk when you say that, but like it's Hollywood. And like how many people have been engaged in the engagement? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Paris Hilton, for goodness sake. It happens. Yes. All the time. But loved your, can we go back to your observation, yes. Colleen, about the Lindsay Lohan engagement? So that iconic photograph of um, Paris Hilton driving and Lindsay Lohan, I believe, in the passenger seat with Britney Spears in the back seat. That iconic paparazzi photograph. Um, I believe it, we are like at an anniversary of that. Yes. And I think it's quite interesting that Paris Hilton just got married. Britney Spears engaged, also free from her conservatorship. And I wonder if Lindsay Lohan wasn't a little bit like, hold on, we're the trio. Yeah. We're like the the three musketeers. What about me? <laughs> what about me? But Bring that, it up the rear. That dynamic totally happens in real life, right. too, with friend groups. I mean, sure. not saying uh, the last time that those three talked together and or hung out together. Was probably that picture. Was probably that picture, which, by the way, the history of that picture, oh, yeah. it was staged. Yep. By a PR person who was working for Paris Hilton at the time, Mm -hmm. who I have actually creeped on on Facebook. He's quite fascinating. He lives in Palm Springs. He used to do, I think he used to do publicity for, I can't remember his name and I'm sorry because I'm, this is off the cuff. I want to, okay, I'll look it up while you go. Because Because he's very tan. Yes. And he, and he's. Small and what did I say? He looks like a like a um, he looks like Mr. Roper, like modern day Mr. Roper. Yes, and he used <laughs> Don to... Knotts. That's what not Mr. Roper. Don Knotts. Yeah, Don Knotts. Let Thank us you. not get the two confused. But this guy used to do, I believe he used to do publicity for John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and he's done among others. And so he's kind of a, a PR person about town. But mm-hmm. there's a whole history behind that photo. It wasn't necessarily a spontaneous happening. Elliot Mintz. Elliot, thank you. You're welcome. Here for you. Yes. Totally have lurked on Facebook <laughs> around him. But that's, you know, it, it is always fascinating. And guess what? You can creep on that platform. Give me that Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. But that photo was a construct and of him. Yeah. He made that moment happen. Yeah. And then it was photographed. So it's interesting that, like, you know, we project this narrative that they were these BFFs hanging out when actually it was like the height of paparazzi in the mid 2000s. Yeah. I mean, what a great photograph of these three iconic individuals Big coming time. together. Yeah. Who were like three rivers coming together in a car at the exact right time on a night out clubbing. And that was, icon- and that's why it's iconic because you didn't see them 
any other place altogether, but it absolutely was a publicist's creation. Yeah. And it was created to get the buzz that it got that it is still getting however many decades later. And it's brilliant. So I want to give Lindsay Lohan the benefit of the doubt that this is a genuine love and that she's not just like, oh, crap, I got to get engaged, too. These girls are right. you know, taking my thunder. So. Right. By the way, it was the, it's the 15th anniversary. Oh, what a great moment. On November 28th. Mm-hmm. So yesterday. Look at that. Yeah. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, we've got uh, some celebrities behaving badly. We do have a name for them. We call them. We're going to tell you about them after this on My Talk 1071. Thank you, Brian. This is the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. Bradley Trainer is on vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. Holly Roberts and I are hanging out with you. Hi. Brian's at the controls. And uh, each and every day at this time, we tell you about some celebrities behaving badly. We do have a name for them, and that name is D-Bag. Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Oh. You want to know who my D-Bag is? Well, yeah, of course. It's Us Magazine. Oh, I thought you were just going to say Us, and I'm like, no, well, we're, that I mean, a ding. Accurate. Right? Like, yes. we're not always behaving our best, but no. Us Magazine. For, okay, so I'm going to read you the headline, and I would like your initial thoughts, okay? Number one, the headline goes like this. Tori Spelling spends Thanksgiving with, quote, empowered daughters amid Dean McDermott marriage troubles. What? Thank you. And then this article. So I'm like, okay, why is empowered in quotes? Am I going to learn something in this article that's going to tell me why her daughters are, quote, empowered? Like, did she in some caption, like, say something about empowering her daughters in some way or another? No. No, I cannot. It just reads like a total and complete insult. Right? Like... (laughs) Like, oh, look at Tori's daughters. They're empowered. Like, that's what, how it reads. Because there is no reference to it in the entire article. There is... Oh, wait. No, I lied. This got changed. Apparently, oh, in an oh. Inst- oh, my gosh. You guys, I read this article this. three times. Because I was like, am I missing something? And I, apparently, I was. Because they popped this paragraph in. Uh She captioned an Instagram selfie with her daughters. Three empowered females cooking, cheering, and chatting. Making sweet potato casserole. Drinking cranberry mimosas. Mine was champagne and theirs was sparkling apple juice. And watching a holiday rom-com. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Great. Now, Thank you. (laughs) Yes, Brian. The flair. Well-placed. Well-placed. Now, I take no beef or turkey. Or turkey in this case. Or sweet potatoes. Anything. Against Tori Spelling doing what a lot of people do on the holidays is that they're sharing what they're doing with friends and family right. on social media. I would make the argument, Colleen, that this photograph and their activities would not actually fit the definition of the word empowered. empowered. Right. You know, it, empowered has its own set of criteria. Mm-hmm. This, leave that word out, and you'd be like, 
having a wonderful time. Peeling potatoes. Peeling, <laughs> I'm empowered by peeling potatoes. I mean, is she trying to get some spawn con with the sweet potato well, consortium? Here's the thing. Here's the thing she is trying to get is attention. Yes. Uh, and it is attention for the rumors swirling around her troubled relationship with Dean McDermott. Now, what I would like to... The second reason why I made Us Magazine my D-bag today is because they are continuing to perpetuate these rumors that truly the only person who's trying to make Fetch happen is Tori Spelling. Yes! She's the only one who's like, I need people to think that are... Now, whether or not they might end up getting divorced, fine. But this whole, either they are or they aren't, or they're on their way or they're not on their way... If if there was truth to the rumor, or if it were anything more than some sort of publicity stunt, which we have known Tori to do for quite some time, it would just be a yes or a no, right? This yeah. it's just this nonsense of dragging out a storyline is it truly is only for publicity. Well, yeah, and the storyline can make the argument that we don't know for sure. But that the reason that this storyline is getting traction is because Tori Spelling and or Dean McDermott Mm -hmm. have hired publicists to construct this narrative. And then ring-a-ding-ding, page six, oh, is it a slow holiday weekend? Not a lot happening. Celebs just laying low. Well, great. I've got a story for you. Tori Spelling is empowering her girls to peel sweet potatoes. And also to add to that, Colleen, there's a story in page six today. Ooh. About Tori Spelling and Dean McDermott going out to dinner with their kids. Okay. You know, they decided to go to a steakhouse in the Valley, and we all know about it. I do just want to say this. This is my closed circuit message to Tori and Dean. Because the because all the sources that are cited in these paparazzi or these um these uh, tabloid articles say, you know, they've been staying together for the kids. Yeah. And I would just like to respectfully submit that when you have two parents in the public eye, the constant back and forth about whether or not their relationship is happening or not happening and the assertion that they are staying together because of the children actually is pretty damaging to the kids. So if they're trying to protect the kids, maybe we should take a look at that and figure out a better way to go about that. Sure. Thank you. You know, that's interesting because if you put it that way, then, you know, what they're actually doing, quote unquote, for the kids it's actually it's nothing. Not, it's actually yeah. No, it's actually nothing. It's actually yeah. you're hiding in plain sight because yes. the things that you would actually be doing if you genuinely cared about your children is you would not be splashing your dinner date at Ruth Chris Steakhouse in right. Woodland Hills exclusively to the Daily Mail. You yeah. would be keeping it private, understanding, you know, her children are in a in a wide age range. Right. And some of those kids probably very understanding of of this media narrative and what is happening here and they by the way they have google yeah yeah they've got they've got the the internet well i mean she (laughs) tagged one of her daughters in this her daughter stella has her own instagram oh sure so then they can see this they can see this but then also too also they can get those comments yeah well they can get the comments also you're setting up your kid tagging them that way into thinking that this way of operating is the norm and that you have to leverage this in order to get your own celebrity and that this is a career route that you can take. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, so it just, it, the, the cycle, 
the cycle yeah. perpetuates uh-huh. itself. And so, yeah, because, you know, looking at these photographs, her oldest kid, I'm assuming that's Stella, uh-huh. is looks like a, a teenager. A teenager yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they have their youngest is in a uh, stroller still. Yeah. I mean, they truly do have a wide range of ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's your D-bag okay. house? Okay. Uh, my uh, D-bag is a, is a knighted individual. Oh. Someone who is very respected in the world of cinema, movies, etc. It's. Sir Ridley Scott. He's my D-bag of the day. What did he do? Well, this is actually from last week. But then reading this, I was like, you know what? Colleen and Bradley didn't have a chance to talk about this. And his comments about the box office failure of his latest movie, The Last Duel, is what makes Ridley Scott my D-bag of the day. Is that the one? Is The Last Duel the one? Does that have Matt Damon in it? Yeah. And it's sort of like... um, it's like medieval times the movie. <laughs> well, not quite. But yes, it is in medieval okay. times, but it's actually a very serious movie. Okay. It's about trying to solve uh, uh who per- did this did a sexual assault on somebody essentially. Ah, okay. You know, I and did we're, not and know we're that. taking like different perspectives of the story and nobody went to go and see it. Now, okay, so Rid- what did Ridley Scott yeah. blame this on? Well, Ridley Scott, Pray you tell. know, you know, he's out pu- uh, publicizing House of Gucci because that's also a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. Well, he said the reason that the last duel bombed is because of apathetic millennials. Wow. You Boy, that's ki- the way to get them coming in to see your movies, Ridley Scott. Call them names. You kids don't understand my movies. I mean, that is that is a artistic interpretation and paraphrasing of what Ridley Scott actually had to say. But he said, you know, my movie bombed because of apathetic millennials. This is what he had to say. Oh, Brian, get the eye rolls out, please. Yeah. All right. Uh, Get ready. Here they come. I think what it boils down to, this is what Ridley Scott said. What we've got today are audiences who were brought up on these cell phones. These millennium do not ever want to be taught anything unless you're told it's on a cell phone. Jeez. Thank you. He said, now, this is a broad stroke, but I think we're dealing with it right now with Facebook. This is a misdirection that has happened where it's given the wrong kind of confidence to this latest generation, I think. Jeez. Thank you. Now, to put it into perspective. I have four responses to this at the ready. Uh, Okay, I'm going to set the stage by telling you that Ridley Scott is 83 years old. Yeah. Go. So my first thought is... um, this is, oh boy, we, I'm going to bring up, actually, it's all wrapped up together. Great. The thing about the world is this. There are always younger generations. And those what? younger generations are always raised by the product of what the older generations have created for them. And so, uh, in the immortal words of Brad Pitt's character in Moneyball, adapt or die. Like, you have to be... Absolutely. As a human being, you have got to learn to accept that younger generations are going to do things differently, but that you are part of what created that generation. Yeah. And so to pin it all on millennials as though there is something wrong with them when they are only a product of the world that we have created for them, it's out of touch. And again, like I said, it is no way to get them in the seats to watch your next film, Ridley yeah. Scott. Thank you. We kind of saw House of Gucci, and I and I speak. I had tickets. <laughs> That's a real great story, Colleen. I'm really proud of You're you. You're welcome. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. And I say, 
as a millennial. Yeah. Guess what? I'm a millennial. Yeah. And cell phone usage and the way we take in stories is not an age generational thing. No. Cell phone use is ubiquitous. Yeah. And the way that we take in content has changed. Guess what? Fantastic. Hey, Ridley Scott, you weren't going to see silent movies back when you were a child because the technology evolved. Right. You know, and you weren't like, I mean, maybe you had some like uncle hanging out with you lamenting the fact that Buster Keaton wasn't getting any good work except in bikini movies in the 1960s. But even Buster Keaton evolved. Say it. (laughs) So uh, it's just, it's a lazy argument. It's such a lazy argument. And honestly, like, Maybe there was maybe maybe it's possible that there were other factors at play. Yeah, maybe people. I just, don't know. A global pandemic could have had something what? to do with it. What? Maybe people weren't interested in seeing a heavy movie that's that's about heavy subject matter in the middle of while we're like grappling with our own mortality. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. know. Maybe they're looking for a little more escapism. What? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. There could be a trillion reasons, but to, but again, do not alienate a large um, productive part of the economy by saying it's their fault. Well, it's just the way we do things now. Yeah, the way we do things now. Anyways, I mean, I still I still like it. Ridley Scott, Blade Runner, Alien, no Black he, Rain. He's got good Great. stuff. Great, he's got good stuff. Yeah. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, we're going to do a little, here's what we're watching live. Holly uh, had the opportunity to dip into something. um, It's Beatles related. I have not dipped my toe in the water. It seems like a commitment, but I have a feeling you are going to sell me on this Peter Jackson Beatles docuseries after this on my talk 1071. Welcome back to the Colleen and Bradley Show, My Talk 1071. I'm Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley Trainers on vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. Holly Roberts and I are here with you. And uh, sometimes when we talk television, uh, we do a little here's what we're watching live. You, you guys watch a television show together, don't you? Team Cobra presents Here's What We're Watching Live. Okay, Holly, I've been dying to hear all about this. That's me time traveling. Oh! <laughs> Hurtling through time and space. Because I went time traveling this weekend. Did Holly. you? Yeah, I did. And now I've readjusted back to our atmosphere because mm-hmm. I watched all three episodes of the new Disney Plus documentary, Get Back. Okay, so tell everybody like what this is. Now, it is, by the way, no surprise that you were the early adopter on this, that you hopped on the train first. Oh, yeah. Because at the center of Get Back is your beloved... The Beatles. Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. So this project, Get Back, is director Peter Jackson. Mm -hmm. He went through the past four years watching 60 hours of unseen footage from a project that the Beatles filmed in 1969 that eventually was released as the film Let It Be. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of stuff happening there. That was one story, the movie Let It Be. Mm -hmm. But Peter Jackson was like, but wait, there's there's more. more. And why don't, while I'm at it, sitting through and making this documentary, I'm going to process this footage with all of my movie magic that I have at my fingertips in 2020, etc. And redo the footage and I'm going to put together something that more accurately reflects what was happening in the Beatles in January of 1969. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make a documentary about it. And of course it's going to be a million hours along, but I mean a million, like eight and change. Yeah. So 
that is what get back is. Okay, so it's interesting because my husband was like, do you have any interest in watching this? And my first impression was, I don't know that I do because it's quite a time commitment. It is. It's a lot. So sell it to me. I mean, you don't have to sell it to me, but you know what I mean? Like, tell me what was what's important about it or what really got you in all the good nostalgia places. Sure. And I don't even know if it's nostalgia because it's not something that I actually experienced in real time. But, you know, for context, it's the, the filming of what was supposed to be the making of the record. Let it be. And this culminated in their famous rooftop performance in 1969. That Mm -hmm. was the last time that the Beatles performed publicly together as a band. Mm -hmm. That's the climax of the movie. So it tells of the drama that was happening in the three weeks leading up to that. This movie is like hanging out with the Beatles. It is, you move through time and space in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced on film. In as much as the way that Peter Jackson digitally restored this footage, you can see the creases on the shirts. There there is a texture to this that is just truly incredible. Like truly brings them into your living room. It brings them into your living room Mm -hmm. and you're hanging out with the Beatles, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And seeing the creative process unfold mm. of some of the songs that are just, you know them, you love them, they're just kind of a part of the culture. For example, Get Back mm-hmm. is one of the songs, the namesake of the documentary. You can see the origin process of Get Back, where Paul's just kind of humming it out, strumming, George and Ringo are watching him, trying to understand the song, because he's trying to teach what he wants to George right. and Ringo to do. And you can see this creative process of him just like plucking along and doing it, changing things, improvising, and you see the evolution of that song. And it's like, oh, yeah, the creative process sometimes is just guys riffing in a room. You know, I'm glad you said that because uh, as as listeners to music, we get the finished product. Yes. We don't know, you know, you can imagine what that feels like for a, a song to be born in the mind of one individual and then launched into a group and then everybody contributes to it in such a way that it becomes the product that we're listening to. But to see it actually take place, especially with such an iconic band like the Beatles, where we are so well, I mean, everybody is so well attuned to the finished product. Right. To to actually now have a context for how those things came to be. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's cool because the take that they finally use, the one that's on the records, you're like, that's the one. Yeah. And then, like, the, it, then it rolls and it's like, that's, oh, that's the one. so wild. So you get insight into the creative process. You get insight into the Beatles themselves and what was happening. And one of the things that I love about this documentary, Get Back, that is so special of about the Beatles is that these are four people who exist. They are of time and they mm-hmm. are in time at the same time. Right. That's a lot of time. Yeah, I know, yeah. but let me explain what I mean. They transcend where they were in time and space. And you can see how special that was in relation to what was happening in early 1969. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch some people in that movie and you're like, wow, That guy is like from 1968 and you can totally tell he's groovy. He's psychedelic. He looks like he belongs in a movie from 1969 as that was right. The Beatles themselves, there is this essence of them that exists outside 
Sure. Uh, they are of time, and it's, I cannot explain it. You just, when you watch Get Back, you understand how special it is, because I'm sure there's people who are rolling their eyes and are like, the Beatles, who cares, whatever. They're right. so beyond cliche. Mm-hmm. But when you watch this, you understand. Well, and you're watching people who have no idea truly what they will become. Well, and they well they understand because some of the footage you see them, they do everything. They, they're they having a human experience. They're, you know, breaking for tea. They're reading the gossip rags and oh the gosh. things about them. And they're making fun of the way that they're being portrayed in the press. I mean, they're having these very human things. But then at the same time, you just look at them and they transcend what is happening. And, it, right. it, and Peter Jackson has captured that and allowed that to be captured in film in a way that you're just like, oh. has Paul McCartney, like, what is his take on this? I mean, I think he's fine with okay. it. You know, I will say that, you know, there are arguments that the narrative structure definitely you can see where. Paul is kind of portrayed as the one, and I think that there's truth to it. He's the one that's trying to salvage this band. Right. And they're and the others are getting irritated because it's like, well, you're not like the leader per se. Right. And it kind of goes into the the deconstructing mythologies of the Beatles that we once had. For example, Yoko Ono did not break up the Beatles. Right. She's there. Yeah. She's hanging out. She's knitting. She's doing things. She's, it is just a vibe. Don't and it's even get me started. And it's acknowledged by Paul himself that he's like, hey, yeah, 50 years from now, they're going to like blame her for breaking it up. And they jam out together. And look at that. 50 years later, people are still blaming the woman for breaking what, up the what Beatles. Do you know? But, but it, it, it is truly a magnificent thing. Now, I will say, I do not recommend... I, this is a vibe movie. Yeah. If you're looking for something that's going to have a neat, I mean, they do a good job of that. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to vibe with this and have, I I mean, for me, it was a transcendent experience. Right. And if you want to, and if you, if that is something you are seeking, then watch the whole thing. If Mm -hmm. not, maybe just dip in and out and experience some of the creative process and some of the musical experiences. I love that. Thank you, Holly. Uh, When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, did you score any big deals this weekend? What? Any Black Friday or Cyber Monday deals? 651-641-1071. It's the brag line. Also, just tell us, where can we get the best deal on good stuff? 651-641-1071.